We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for February 5th, 2012. And I think this is our third and final part of the study. Uh, next article, <clears throat> we're going to shift gears now again here, entitled Wheaton College Dialogue. Uh, exploring common ground with Catholicism in a conversation on unity. Uh, on March 26, 2012, John Armstrong, pastor in the Reformed Church and a Catholic cardinal, uh, George of Chicago, will come together at Wheaton College. I don't know what George of Chicago means, but anyway. Um will come together at Wheaton College for a, quote, conversation on unity in Christ's mission. The flyer you see to the left, and there's a, there's a picture here you can see, reads, quote, an evening of dialogue exploring common ground and current challenges that face Catholics and evangelical Protestants in Christian faith and mission. The event came about last summer when Armstrong met with Cardinal George and asked him, quote, would you join me in a public venue to further discuss this idea of missional ecumenicism. And this guy from Wheaton College is wanting to just totally yoke up, evidently, with this devil Catholic cardinal. I mean, the guy looks so creepy. I mean, I showed Taylor a picture. She's like, oh, my word. I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, just <laughs> totally evil looking. It's like evil oozing out of every pore. And, you know, he's uh, Archbishop of Chicago, Francis Cardinal George. And um, Dr. John H. Armstrong. Uh, so, this is, actually, this is coming up, March 26, 2012. Uh, the Cardinal agreed, and thus the conversation at Wheaton in March on July 23, 2007. Lighthouse Trails wrote an article titled, John Armstrong Enjoys Emergent Village Experience Immensely. The, which there's a link to that. The article relayed that Armstrong had once read the unpublished manuscript um, of, quote, A Time of Departing, given by Ray Youngen, a hearty endorsement of this book, which is actually, I haven't read the book, but it's kind of, a, I believe, a book exposing the whole emerging church movement. At one time, this George Armstrong had once hardly endorsed the book. So you can imagine our surprise in 2007 when John Armstrong began to endorse the emerging church. So much so that he called Tony Jones' contemplative book, The Sacred Way, quote, excellent. Now, this is a gigantic trend that I'm seeing among people that were supposedly at one time, some people would consider them strong Christians. They most likely were all part of the 501c3 institution, which I do believe allow, allows this lukewarmness um, and a corruptive factor to ultimately seep and ooze into their lives and into their ministries because they're totally yoked up with the government through their 501c3 corporate status and through all of their um, state licensing that they have to get in order to be preachers. But anyway, that's a whole other subject. Uh, if you want to know more about the 501c3 church, just key in 501c3, 501 or 501c3 at the search box at contendingfortruth.com. And you know, I've done many, many teachings on that. But I've seen this gigantic trend among many ministries to uh, who were supposedly at one time considered strong Christian fundamental ministries. And now all of a sudden, they or not all of a sudden, but gradually they have now been yoking up with Rome 
Catholicism in particular, and also the emerging church, which really the emerging church has a lot to do with Rome as well, because what they're doing is they're saying, we're going back to our mystic roots. Like um, when the Franciscan monks of the 1500s used to do contemplative prayer and all of this other really new agey witchcraft garbage. And they're going back to these ancient roots of the mother church, the Catholic whore mother church. And it has a lot to do with Catholicism, the emerging church, and just the the coming back of the wayward whores of Protestantism, Protestantism into the mother whore. Okay, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing an exodus back to the mother whore from her her now I'm not saying all Protestant denominations were all you know, I've always been always bad. But it's going to come back to the fact where they are going to murder. How are we going to have a one world religion unless that happens? And then it's going to be an amalgamation of all the religions into one. Okay, eventually. But you're seeing that now, and you're seeing a lot of ministries really, really, at one, who at one time they would have never done what they're doing now, all of a sudden they're, they're shifting gears. And they're endorsing things that are either New Age, Emerging Church, Catholicism-based, these types of things. When the Antichrist and the line, uh, and the false prophet and these types of things, when the line, when the signs and line wonders and the miracles and all the false miracles really kick into full gear, then you're really going to see a mass exodus. Because that's the very way by which they're going to deceive the whole planet according to the Bible. So, uh, <clears throat> going further in this article, it says, We found it astonishing that someone who had said a few years earlier that Ray Youngin was right on in his deductions of a contemporary prayer and found a time of departing to be, the book a time of departing, exceptional, could now be calling Jones' um, mystical meditation promoting book excellent. It made no sense. Fast forward to 2012 and the conversation on unity to, to be held at Wheaton College this spring. As Lighthouse Trails has documented for several years, the emerging church and the contemplative prayer movement are roads to Rome, a path to unite with the Catholic Church. And we're going to talk a lot about this in this last part here. We're going to give you a lot of evidence of that. We cannot say whether John Armstrong has himself practiced contemplative prayer, which is an Eastern-style meditation prayer method. But we believe without a doubt that Armstrong's resonance in 2007 with the emerging contemplative mystics was connected to Armstrong's desire to find, quote, common ground with the Catholic Church. It's amazing how these guys that should want, from a biblical standpoint, nothing to do with this harlot church, how they will grovel and and lick the boots of these Catholic priests and cardinals and people, and it's almost as though they think that they're getting some type of credibility. Why would you want to be yoked up with this pedophilic, idolatrist, I mean, works-based devil cult? Why would you want anything to do with that? And we've been documenting a lot in the past few months in particular, just keying Catholic in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. Just many of the ways and things that this creepy, sick, sadistic, evil, murderous cult has done throughout the ages and, and are still doing. Why would you want anything to do with that? I just it, It's just unbelievable. Unless you're just a plan. And unless this was your mission given to you by your handlers. And let it be known that there's a lot of, of supposed 
and I really believe a majority in high-level ministries in di- ver- different various denominations, they're um, they're just basically following orders. And th- this has been a long time to kind of steer everybody into this whole one-world unity, yoking up with the Catholics most likely first, united through New Age emerging church contemplative mystic practices. And then it's going to get more and more aggressive. That agenda is going to get more and more aggressive. So, lest you think we are being too quick to determine that Armstrong is on the road to Rome, consider this. On his personal blog, either earlier in January 2012, Armstrong wrote the following. uh, That, quote, there is no, there is a long history behind the worldwide call to prayer for Christian unity. But I became acutely aware of the history of this call at the Center for Unity in Rome last March. So evidently he's going over to Rome and going to the Center for Unity. So in other words, it sounds like he's on the Vatican's payroll. (laughs) I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. If not, he's close to it. Then in June, I visited the gravesite of Father Paul Watson. And again, as I've said before, the Bible says, Call no man father but your father in heaven. And I did a whole teaching on that. Uh, well, I did a whole teaching on the fact of the title reverend. That's also a totally unbiblical term. The Bible only uses the term once, and it says holy and reverend is he in reference to God. So you can key those words in in the search box um, at contendingfortruth.com if you want to know more. The man who launched this global week of prayer for Christian unity was this Father Paul Watson, a Catholic. Okay. Well, yeah, the mother whore wants to gather her, her wayward chicks under her under her wings again. And, 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 you know, so that they can be amalgamated and assimilated into the Borg-like Catholic devil cult. Of course. You know. As deeply interested as I am in the subject, this is back to the quote from Armstrong, I am pleased to share news today from the Vatican Information Service of January 18th. This really reminds me a lot of what Tom Horn's doing as well. We've, we've documented this a lot in the last really year, about his not-so-subtle promotion of the Catholic Church. I keep seeing this over and over and over again in different and various ministries, who at one time I thought were barely decent, or, or decent ministries, not to say I ever thought this guy was, I really don't know a lot about him, but I'm just seeing this mass exodus to Rome. Um, the Pope's comments provide a gracious... Re- now, this is a quote from his blog. The Pope's comments provide a gracious reminder of our common duty to the whole Christ Church, not only... Not just our own communion or fellowship. So he's pointing people to Rome. Armstrong then posted an article from the Vatican News, which is which in part stated, Ecumenicism as defined by the Vatican II and the blessed John Paul II is, quote, the responsibility of the entire church and all of the baptized who must augment the partial communion that already exists among Christians until achieving full communion in truth and charity. Full communion, what's that? That is when you, as a Christian, go back to the mother whore church and become a Catholic. That's what they're in reference to here. And then it goes on to say, and this is this this devil um, uh, quote from the, the unblessed unholy Pope John Paul II. And this is what Armstrong put in his blog. Praying for unity must then be an integral part of prayer life of all Christians. Jesus Christ said, think not that I come to bring peace but a sword. 
And they that be, and they that will be of your enemies will be of your own household. Mother against daughter, father against son, these types of things. We're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Okay? We're not supposed to have unity with heretics. The Bible says a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. We're supposed to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. We're supposed to go and expose the wolves in sheep's clothing. The hirelings that have no true love for the sheep, but the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. We're supposed to expose the ministers of Satan, who appear as ministers of righteousness. We're supposed to expose them. We're supposed to mark them, which cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. We're supposed to do all that. We're not supposed to yoke up with evil. (laughs) I mean, it's so elementarily obvious from a baby Christian standpoint of all these things that they're doing and glorifying and they're glorying in their shame is what they're doing. Like the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So, going back to this prayer from the Pope, praying for unity must then be an integral part of prayer life of all the Christians. In all the times and places, especially when people from different traditions come together to work for victory in Christ over sin. Oh, is that kind of like your pedophile priesthood? Have they achieved victory over sin? I'm just kind of curious, you know. Or or when they killed like 50 million plus people during the Inquisition that we documented in depth. And all of the depravity and all the the evil, wicked works that the Catholic Church has spawned and perpetuated. Is that that victory in Christ over sin and evil, Mr. Pope? Is it? Because if if that is, that's a pretty warped definition. You know? Maybe you think it is, though, I guess. I, I don't know. So, work for victory in Christ over sin, evil, injustice, and the violation of human dignity. Oh, you, you violated no one's dignity when you did all of the, of the things uh, during the, the, um, you know, the Inquisitions and all of the horrifically sick, sexual, sadistic, disgusting things that I documented not too long ago. That wasn't violating anybody's dignity at all. No, no, no. They did that for the glory of God. They literally had wrote on the side of some of these torture implements, like, to the glory of God. I mean, these people are so demon-possessed to the toenails, and so their minds are so darkened, and they're so sick, that they, it, it, and yet they're, they're viewed as these wonder. oh yes... They're so holy. They're whitened sepulchers full of dead man's bones. They appear beautiful on the outside. Of course, I can't even stand to look at the Pope. I mean, that guy looks so demon-possessed of the toenails. I don't know how anybody with half a mind could look at that guy and say, Oh, my word, i got to get out of the building. This, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in the same you know, city as this guy. He's so evil-looking. But it's almost like, you know, well, no, they, they, uh, they don't see that. They, they're so demonically brainwashed. And really, the only thing you can really do for most of them is really literally pray and or fast, if so led, for God to open their eyes and their hearts and their ears and and that they are able to see because it's so flagrant what's going on and yet they will not see most of the time. They'll defend it to their line, you know, last breath, a lot of these Catholics. doesn't matter what you put in front of them. (laughs) It's, It's irrelevant. We're the one true church. They operate in such pride. One true church? Why do you want anything to do with that? Again, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Which would be my response to this conversation in unity. 
For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? I mean, they present another gospel. The Catholic gospel is a gospel based on works. Keeping the catechism and the seven sacraments and doing this and doing that and being a good Catholic. And maybe, maybe you won't have to spend as much time in purgatory. Well, if you have enough people praying you out and if you have your priest saying a mass for you after you're dead, well, you'll get out quicker. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card path. Kind of like indulgences, which they've sold. They probably still sell them. Where, you know, yeah, you can go rape this little girl as long as you pay. And if you pay up front, you can already be absolved of your sin before you even rape her. I mean, this is the kind of garbage they've done. And they do. They're evil. Pure, total, demonic evil. Unbelievable. I I just, I cannot do anything but, all I can do is want to expose them. Expose this evilness for what it is. This hypocrisy. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light, hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? You, 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 you go and, and, you know, as a born-again Christian, and you yoke up with the Catholics, and you get on, and you say, okay, we're on the same level playing field, evidently. And you think that. You are, a concord is an agreement. Okay, what concord hath Christ with Belial, or the devil? That's what you're doing. And it's, it's going to affect you adversely. It's not going to affect them adversely. You know? It's one thing to reach out to them. It's another thing to yoke up with them. Like this big mass exodus that I'm seeing to yoke up with the Catholic Church. As though that gives us some kind of credibility. If anything, it gives us the opposite of credibility. I don't want to be associated with this evil organization. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? That's what a Catholic is. They're an infidel. They're a heretic. They believe and teach another gospel. And the Bible says, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. Anathema, accursed. We're supposed to separate from them. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. If God has said, I dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So back to the article. This is a zealous effort by the Roman Catholic Church to, quote, win back the lost brethren to the mother whore harlot church. This is why, why is this such a big deal that we as Bible-believing Christians should pay attention to? Because this Eucharistic Christ of the new evangelization program is not the Jesus Christ of the Bible. And the gospel it brings is not the gospel of Jesus Christ of the Bible. Rather, it is a false gospel that will mislead followers away from the only means of salvation, which is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and justifies a man by faith alone. See, the Catholic Church, you've got to jump through all these hoops in order to get saved. And again, then even then, it's like, you know, you still got to get prayed out of purgatory. It's so ridiculous. John Armstrong and a host of evangelical figures who are following his suit need to recall that many of those martyred by the Catholic Church were martyred because they would not say that Jesus was in a wafer. And they would not adhere to the Catholic doctrine. And what would those martyrs say today if they could address evangelical leaders who are marching off to Rome? Is this not a slap in the face to those who died making their torturous, violent deaths to less avail? It's like spitting in their face, if you could. 
Unbelievable. And I think that's another reason I get so mad about this is because you think about all the martyrs and it's like, <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean, what a, what a affront to, to their deaths, you know. Related articles to this. I'm just going to read you the titles. James Robison, uh, uh, The Lord Wants Protestants and Catholics to Unite as One. Now, he's one of those main televangelist guys. James Robison says the Lord wants Protestants and Catholics to unite as one. Oh, really? He does. Where's that? In the Satanic Bible? What, what book, chapter, and verse is that in the Satanic Bible? I mean, I know that's New Age doctrine, but... Are, are you a mouthpiece for God or Satan? It sounds like you're a mouthpiece for Satan, Mr. Robison. But then again, that's what you expect from really all the, the mainstream. Um, I'm not saying every single one, but, but the vast majority. They're all going to go there if they haven't went there already. TBN, I mean, they've got Catholics on stage. Billy Graham yoking up with Catholics. I've, I've went over this before. Uh, Benny Hinn, I mean, my word, last time I saw him, he looked like a Catholic priest. Had the old notch cut out of his custom-made suits. All of these devil preachers out there, these televangelists that live in these palatial palaces and drive their Bentleys and fly their jets around. I mean, Kenneth Copeland's got his own airport. Not to mention one of the biggest jet private jets you can have. I think is like the most expensive. You know why they're doing that? Because they're fulfilling what the Bible says. They are becoming greatest among us because they're our servants. Jesus Christ said that, didn't he? He says, let them that are greatest among you, let them be your servants. Well, they're proving to us that there are servants. There are humble servants when they buy and they live in these palatial mansions and they fly around in their jets and they drive their extravagant cars and they have to have, you know, the most sumptuous meals and these types of things. That's what they're, they're, they're showing us. That, I mean, Jesus Christ did that, didn't he? Did, oh no, the Bible says the Son of Man had low, nowhere to even lay his head. But it's okay that they do it because evidently they're better than their Savior. Well, no, their Savior's Satan. What am I saying? Of course, if Satan was here, that he'd be telling them to do that. And he'd be guiding them in that direction. And that's exactly what they're doing. Smiley Joe Osteen, I mean, you know, he has his, his stadiums now that, that, that he fills up every week. And you've got to pay like, what is it, like 150 bucks just to be in near uh, a certain amount near him. I just documented that not too long ago. I mean, these greed-driven 501c3 corporate greed ministries that are totally promoting the emerging church, totally promoting yoking up with Rome, taking people to hell, yoking up with Rick Warren, bringing us to the point of the one world religion. The Bible said it was going to be this way. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's what the Bible predicted. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. That the in, in the end times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience sealed with a hot iron. And God is the one that's sending this strong delusion. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned, who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So you better get out of those, those corporate 501c3 whore churches while you still can, while, while your conscience still isn't seared, if you're in them. I'm getting to the point where that's what just flat out what I tell people anymore. Because I don't know what happens to a church when they take that 501c3 status, but I know it can't be good. I don't see any good fruit coming out of it. I don't see a whole lot of good fruit coming out of the Laodicean church. Why aren't they exposing these types of issues that we get into? Why aren't they organizing mass protests and things like this regarding the abortion clinics and, and, and really trying to fight evil? I don't see it. 
I see them going along with the flow. And, 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 and I mean, I'm not talking every single church. I know there's exceptions to the rules. But for the most part, I see them pretty much just going with the flow. Oh, preaching a nice, lukewarm, light, light, um, you know, gospel light. Gospel. Not one to offend. Yoking up with Rome. Put, bringing in all their worldly programs, you know, into the church. Yoking up with the world. Yoking up with Satan. I mean, yoking up with FEMA and Homeland Security. <laughs> I've, I've, got, I've got into that as well. Clergy response teams are going to pacify the church when, when things start to go down, particularly if there's a pandemic type event. Actually using these places to mobilize and bring their sheep in so that they can actually get on the bus and to be taken to concentration camps and or mass vaccination centers. That's, that's the fruit I'm seeing mostly from the church now. And this mass exodus towards Rome. Next article, uh, next link, I'm not going to get into the article, um, October 2011 by the Vatican's Pontifical Council shows the Vatican's move toward the New World Order. I've done many teachings on that. U.S. And then the next article, U.S. Catholic Church prepares to accept Episcopalians. Uh, that, that yoking up is in full swing. Now, I also post the link here from my 2007 teaching entitled, The National Council of Churches affirms the Catholic Church as the one true church. Did you know the National Council of Churches already affirmed the Catholic Church as the one true church? They sure did. You can click on that. It's, it's an older teaching, but I get into that there. Here's the next article. Uh, Office of Inquisition seeks unity of all Christians during 2012. Imagine that. Isn't that a little confirmatory of what I just said? What I've been saying? The Office of Inquisition. Oh, you mean like during the Inquisition when they tortured everybody and killed everybody? Yeah, it's the same one. They brought it back. They brought it back. And I've reported on this. I'm gonna, and actually, I'm going to say a little line here. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the table of contents for that teaching that I did. The Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, formerly known as the Office of Inquisition. See, I guess they changed their name. But it's the same office, they just changed the name. They just put different wallpaper on the walls. Okay? They stresses the need that all Christians need to be Catholic. Hmm, I wonder before, was that the agenda of the um, Office of Inquisition when they were torturing like those 50 million plus people in all those horrific manners? Wasn't that like the main thing they were trying to get them to do is convert? Or confess, or, or you know, convert and say that Jesus is in a way for, or confess that the Catholic Church is the one true church. Yeah, and they started out. They probably started out before they were in a, a, a position of real huge power, where they were just trying to strongly encourage, and that's how the Catholic Church always does. But just remember, the same teeth that they showed back then. They, th- this organization hasn't changed any. It's still just as full, if not even more full, of devils. They're just waiting for their chance to shine again. They're waiting for their chance to actually enact the true office of Inquisition again. Now, let me read this to you. This is a uh, flashback. This is another uh, teaching I did in 2007. And it's entitled, Pope Bears Inquisition Teeth and declares the Catholic Church as the only one true church. Now, we've already seen that the National Council of Churches has already affirmed that the, the Catholic Church is the only one true church. Now, the Pope affirms it. The Catholic Church affirms it. This is the table of contents. And there's a link here. It still works. I clicked on it. Uh, Roman Catholic Pope Benedict 
the 16th bared his Inquisition teeth in three shocking ways this last week. Number one, the Pope Benedict XVI declared not only that Rome, the Roman Catholic Church is the only real church, but that all Protestant churches are not really churches at all. But the real shock was Benedict's belief that Protestants should not even have their own churches. Well, of course not. I mean, if you're, if you're going to really get down to brass tacks, they're going to believe that, no, 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 we control you. We control your churches. Your, your churches don't aren't, aren't churches. The only thing that the only thing that's real is our Catholic core church. We're, we're the we're the grand poobah. You got to play by our rules. So the second point, Pope Benedict uh, revived the old Tridentine Mass said in Latin. The Mass was originally created in 1560 and was the standard Mass used during all fame during the infamous Inquisition period, during which over 70 million people were murdered and tortured simply because they would not accept the Catholic salvation by works, chief of which was the systems of indulgence and purgatory. I don't know if it's the chief, but it was one of them. Okay, Now I get into all these in detail in the teaching. Number three, the Pope opened the refurbished torture chamber in the Vatican known as the Pope's Dungeon, a relic from the days of the bloody Inquisition. I mean, it's, it's a good memory, right? I mean, we want to reflect on the old days of, you know, the good old days, you know? That's what, they're, that's what they want to bring back. And I guarantee you, at some point, that's what they're going to bring back, if, if the Lord so permits. So, uh, and, and, and so they opened up this torture chamber in the Vatican known as the Pope's Dungeon. What do you think they'd be wanting to hide that and, like, suppress that? No, 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 no. We, we, want, to, we want to open it up and kind of just send that silent... Uh, message to you, you know, we're coming back. In the second part of the study, we'll be taking an in-depth look at the Inquisition to see the absolute depravity and evil that the Catholic Church is capable of. So, going further with the original source article, Pope Benedict XVI released an apostolic letter proclaiming the year of faith for 2012. They seem to be very fixated on this year. Starting, and this is what the letter says, starting October 11, 2012, through November 24th, 2012, the church will focus on worldwide Christian unity. Okay, so that's trying to amalgamate and assimilate all of the other non-Catholic yet Christian denominations into itself. The dates are significant. October 11th is the 50th anniversary anniversary of Vatican II, November 24th is the Roman Catholic Church celebrates the Feast of Christ the King. The Vatican state that this special the Vatican states that this special year should be a quote propitious occasion to make Vatican Council II and the catechism of the Catholic Church more widely and deeply known. Oh, the catechism like that shows us our faith that you're you're basically achieve salvation by works. Yes, because that's what they want to indoctrinate us into believing. That it's works-based. It's not, you know, you're not saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. They don't believe Ephesians 2.11. They don't, they don't believe that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No, 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 no. They don't believe that. Salvation is through the Catholic Church. Not through, not through Jesus Christ, or his shed blood, or his finished work on the cross. No! No, we can't have that. We have to have our own brill cream, devil religion. Little dabble do ya. You know? 
Well, that Satan, Satan is using the Catholic Church mightily to get as many people into hell as he possibly can. That's what, he, that's what, that's what this is all about, from Satan's standpoint. So this year of faith will include the following initiatives by the Catholic Church. Uh, number one, a worldwide level, at the worldwide level, Pope Benedict will preside at a solemn opening celebration for the year of faith. Now, there's a lot of talk about Pope Benedict stepping down, and I was like, May or April, whenever he turns, I don't know, 80 or 85 or whatever it is. And that a lot of the things that have been predicted from a Catholic prophetic, Catholic prophetic, which Tom Horn seems to be totally obsessed with, uh, St. Malcolm's Prophecy and all of these other ones, all of these Catholic Jesuit, the, the, the most w- wicked evil men on the planet. And I'm going to go by their prophecies. Oh yes, it has to be that way. Because that Catholic Jesuit seer, prophet, devil from the pit of hell says it's going to be so. I definitely want to put all my eggs in that one basket. And the guy's totally obsessed with all of these Catholic Jesuit prophecies. Why do we, wa- why do we need to be immersed in that garbage? Wh- 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 why? Why do we need to go and look at Sir Isaac Newton's all of all of his occult garbage in order to, to unlock the, the, the keys to the end times? Why is God going to use wicked, evil, devil people in order for us to be enlightened about what's happening in the end times? Why I don't see any Bible for that. I really don't. And we need the Word of God. We need the King James Bible. Okay? We need the word of God in order to be able to get through what we're going to be getting through. Okay? We don't need all of this other pagan, heretical garbage. In order, I mean, it's like, unless we have this secret occult information, that's what the, the word occult means, hidden knowledge. This is the same reason people become Freemasons. And people get into secret societies because, and people become witches and warlocks and get into the occult because they're trying to attain secret, secret knowledge, secret all this garbage, and it's like it's as though it's going to, you know, be their methods of their uh, to achieve their method of salvation or prosperity. I don't see a Bible for it. Uh, you know, I really don't. The Bible says that the Word of God is of no private interpretation. You know, we shouldn't chase after all this stuff. You know, endless fables and genealogies and all this other stuff. I mean, it's one thing to be aware of Satan's devices, but it's another thing to be totally immersed into all these occult studies that it seems a lot of these Christian ministries are trying to point people to. So anyway, I just want to throw that in. Um, so, what are, what are the following initiatives for this wonderful year for the Catholic Church going to be? Well, on the worldwide level... The Pope Benedict will preside at a solemn opening celebration for the year of faith. The Vatican plans special ecumenical efforts, pushing toward Christian unity, including a solemn ecumenical celebration in which all of... Let me just click on this. All the baptized will reaffirm their faith in Christ. That means all the Catholic baptized. They were baptized as infants. That's not biblical baptism. That's not biblical baptism. Just key in the word baptism or baptize in the keyword search box at continuefortruth.com. That Catholic garbage, that, that don't... Yeah, bap, baptism is something that a believer does after they have become a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. After they've been saved. 
It's not something you do as a baby when you have no cognition of anything and they just do, do a little bit of drops on your forehead or whatever. That's more of a witchcraft ceremony than anything else. And there were martyrs that were burned and died and, and tortured over that one issue. But see, now they're, they're, they're playing real nicety-nice. They're, they're in their nice mode now, the Catholic Church. We're going to... We're going to, we plan special ecumenical efforts and we're going to push for Christian unity, but eventually guaranteed it's not going to be real nice anymore. It'll go back to those inquisition, the good old days of the Inquisition. If God so, I hope it doesn't come to that, but I, I see Bible for that happening as wicked. Now granted, will it be known as the Catholic Church when that happens? Uh, probably not. Probably be the one world religious system under Antichrist and false prophet. But I'm just saying. At some level. So, then what's the next thing they're going to do? At the national level, Episcopal conferences will be encouraged to focus on the quality of the catechists. Meaning this whole catechism garbage, works-based religion. And to ensure that the teaching of the faith is in, quote, complete conformity with the catechism of the Catholic Church. So, in other words, we, we need now, as Protestants which that word means to protest, these were the, this was the religious order that came out of the Catholic Church, Martin Luther, and the other denominations that were started as a result of that, you know, Episcopalians and Presbyterians and Lutherans and Methodists, the Protestants, they were protesting what was going on in the Catholic Church. I never call myself a Protestant. Um, There was a whole other line of Christians that were true Christians that never had anything to do with that. And the best book I know of on that is called The Faithful Baptist Witness, written by Phil Stringer. And to me, it's not a Baptist issue, as so much it is, let's just document history here. Well, anyway, um, they're, they're wanting to make, that, make sure that people now are, are coming to understand that, that they need to be in complete conformity with the catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, and then the bishops' conferences will strongly be encouraged to use all avail- available media outlets to brainwash, I mean promote that goal. And then at the diocesan level, the CDF calls for, quote, renewed creative dialogue between faith and reason in the ap- academic and artistic communities and for the penitential celebrations, meaning we need to be penitent. We need to, like, like we need to be in Lent all the time. We need to be giving up certain foods, and, and, and doing certain things in order to earn our way, in, or, in order to show our uh, devotion to the mother whore Catholic Church. Uh, so, and a also particular emphasis on asking, asking God's forgiveness for sins against, quote, the faith. What does that mean? That means we were terrible for to have ever, as Christians, to have even... We were terrible to have ever come out of that whore system. We need to ask God forgiveness for our sins of ever straying from the Catholic whore. The the Catholic whore religious system. How dare us? How dare we? But see, they're willing to take us back now, gently, if we're willing to come back. Ah, Ain't gonna happen with me. (laughs) Ever. I went to a Catholic high school and I never bought into it then. I was never really a Catholic, but, you know. Uh, yeah, so we need, uh, this is so nauseating, asking God's forgiveness for sins against, quote, the faith. The faith. Now notice they don't come out and just say sins against the Catholic Church. They, but it's not so, it's, it's, they're trying to be a little more subtle than that at this point, you know. Kind of, you know, treat, treat us with kid gloves. 
So, and then at the parish level, the year of faith should be celebrated on the community liturgy, and especially the Eucharist. Oh, you mean the way for God? Yeah, where they believe that the priest has the power to literally change the Eucharist or the Catholic communion host into the literal body of Jesus Christ and the wine into the literal blood. I don't mean figurative. I mean literal through the process of transubstantiation where they believe the priests have that magical witchcraft power to actually do that. Oh, the pedophile priesthood. Well, maybe they maybe they have some kind of witchcraft power, but they shrink to do that. Uh, in the Catholic tradition, the liturgy is considered to mean the participation of people in the work of God. You mean the work of Satan trying to promote that? Yeah, that's basically what it means. The Vatican will set up a special website to promote the initiative and a secretariat. You know, I thought secretariat was like the best racehorse that ever was. You know? I mean, one like with the Belmont, the Kentucky Derby, and the, was, I don't know, the other one, the Triple Crown. Set like all kind of course records. I don't know what secretariat has to do with anything, but anyway, just sorry, a little humor there. Anyway, so the Vatican will set up a special website to promote the initiative, and a secretariat will be appointed within the Pontifical Council of the New Evangelization to promote the cause, the cause, bringing everyone back to the mother whore. It should bring a tear to all of our eyes. A tear of joy, I mean. No, just kidding. Anyway, so, there, the, the guy that wrote this, his comment, is, uh, says, it looks like they have boots on the ground. <laughs> meaning, boots on the ground, meaning they got, they got people, they're mobilizing their devil, uh, their devil legions in order to really, really, really promote this devil unity. Has the Roman Catholic Church changed its desire to make the world Catholic? No. The Office of Inquisition continues its public relation push for world domination. The Vatican will be pushing hard for ecumenical unity this year. She will attempt more dialogue with the artistic and intellectual communities, but especially non-Catholic Christians. The Church will conduct penance issues that ask God to forgive those against the Catholic faith. What an abomination. What an abomination to ask forgiveness of God. Oh, my word. Oh, just incomprehensible. Incomprehensible, this garbage. Now, I gave you some teachings that I've done exposing this devil cult, a four-part teaching I did recently entitled Exposing Christ Mass, like Christmas, Catholicism, the Pope, the Catholic Mary, the Queen of Heaven, and the Coming One World Religion, and then also the Catholic Doctrine of Devils. I've also done one on the Catholic Pedophile Priesthood. I've done so many in the Catholic Church, it's just, you know, I, I couldn't even possibly list them all here. So, next article, 2012, um, Toward a One World Religion. A new project that its creators call the first development of its kind in the, ho- in, in the world hopes to shed light on the similarities between the three monotheistic faiths of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. With the new building, the Tri-Faith Project, a large privately funded development in Omaha, Nebraska, on a former country club and golf course that spans 35 acres and will comprise three sites. The Temple Israel, the Episcopal Diocese of Nebraska, including a church, and an American Institute of Islamic Studies and Culture, which will include a mosque, and the American Institute of Islamic Studies and Culture, oh, okay, as well as a large central tri-faith center connecting all three religions together for common events and meetings. Nothing like not unequally yoking, yoking yourself together with unbelievers. 
No, let's just all yoke. Of course, they're all they're all all those religious systems are are, are hell bound. Every one of them. Not to say that I desire that, but they're all works based. They're not centered in the in in the Lord Jesus Christ in the Word of God. None of them are. But now they're just seeking this more flagrant, open dialogue of this again. Just documenting all the the last articles that we've just seen. It's it's all coalescing. So. The founders of the Tri-Faith Project have been searching five years for a spot and are excited to bring the project to life. It will be a nearly $50 million project. I mean, what a colossal, colossal abomination, abominational waste of money. 50 million, you know how much good that could do? Like for, like, widows, orphans, worthy ministries? No, no, they're going to waste it on this garbage. You know, the Memorandum of Understanding was signed in 2006 between the three groups to create the facilities while fundraising has continued. The hope is that the facility will open in the fall of 2013, although work on the individual buildings could continue for another year or two. Our vision is to build bridges of respect, acceptance, and trust, to challenge stereotypes, to learn from each other, and to counter the influence of fear and misunderstanding. The project posted on its website is its missional statement. Dr. Sayed Mybedin, the president of the Islamic Center, is also excited about the project. And he said, quote, In a time when the world is engaged in building walls, this is a celebration of building bridges. He said, As the Holy Quran reminds us, the common bond among us, we believe in what has been revealed to us and what has been revealed to you, the Jews and the Christians. Our God and your God is one. And the same, and we, and it is to him we submit, end of quote. Well, we're going to examine that quote, Mr. Saeed, whatever your name is. We're going to examine that quote. We're going to examine what your unholy book, the Quran, actually says about Jews and Christians. We're going to take a little look, trip down memory lane, and see if it lines up with what just came out of your devil mouth. Because you are a liar, and you are of your father the devil, and of his works you will do. And you've proven it by your own words. What does the unholy Quran actually read and say about this subject? Well, uh, in Surah 554 of the Quran, it says, O believers, take not the Jews and Christians as friends. They are friends of each other. Those of you who make them his friends is one of them. God does not guide an unjust people. Now that's the lightest thing it says. But I wanted to give that verse for you to understand that the people that abide by the Quran and, and call themselves Islamic are not to take us as friends. Oh, that's unless there's something. That's unless it's of the intent to deceive, which we'll get into. The evidence reveals that the Temple of the Moon God was active even in the Christian era. Evidence gathered from the North and South Arabia demonstrate that the Moon God worship was clearly active even in Muhammad's day and is still the dominant cult. Now, remember what he said about your God is our God and they're one and the same and we submit to him? Hmm, I wonder, yeah, uh, is that true? Well, according to numerous inscriptions, while the name the moon god was actually, the name of the moon god was Sin, S-I-N, like the sin, sin in the Bible, yeah, capital S-I-N. His title was Alilah, or also known as the deity, meaning he was the chief or the high god among the gods of, of the, um, of the pagan uh, Arabian time period that they lived in, the Muhammad lived in. Okay, the moon god 
was called Allah, the God, which was shortened to Allah in pre-Islamic times. See, Allah is the moon god. He's not the god of the Bible. We don't worship the same god. So, and if we did, why would he be telling us to butcher, kill, and slay the infidels, like the Quran says to say? Now, here's a lovely picture of a demonstration in London, and I'm, I'm looking at some of these wonderful Muslims, and they're holding up these really fun signs. One of them says, slay those who insult Islam. Uh, the other one says, Europe, you will pay, your demolition is on its way, behead those who insult Islam, butcher those who mock Islam. Uh, Again, Europe, you will pay, your extermination is on the way. I mean, this is a kind, loving cult, moon god cult. I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're fun. And then, I give you the track, Allah had no son, proving again that, that Allah is not, the God of the Bible, has nothing to do with the God of the Bible. It's a pagan deity. It's a fallen angel they're worshipping. And here's some more pictures of, of some demonstrations. Here's a Muslim holding up a sign. Islam will dominate the world. And then another lady in a full burqa with only her eyes showing, saying, be prepared for the real Holocaust. Now, again, as I've said, the, the um, particularly the certain factions of, of Islam, the, the more hardline ones, the ones that really more closely adhere to the Quran, the more the fundamental Islamic people that literally try to go by the Quran, the Quran tells them to wage jihad or holy war against the infidels. And what is an infidel? Well, here's another one, Men of Peace. Here's a track from Chick, and it, and it shows you how wonderfully peaceful this this organization, this, this cult is. Um... The Bible, the Islamic Bible, the Quran, commands Muslims to kill infidels. It commands them to do this. In Islam, the Arabic word kafar uh, refers to non-Muslims. Okay, and is often used in a derogatory sense and is usually translated into English as the infidel or an unbeliever. Okay, so now let's look at some quotes from the Islamic Quran. Surah 3360 says, Allah has cursed the unbelievers and propose them for a blazing hell. That's, that's what the Quran says about unbelievers. Well, that's a non-believer in Islam. Okay, that would be you or I. Okay? Unless you're Islamic listening to this radio show, and I doubt you would be. So, not radio, but internet. Uh, what's another quote from the good old Quran? Well, Surah 41.14 says, Unbelievers are enemies of Allah, and they will, and they will roast in hell. Oh, Okay. Wow, okay, what are some more? Well, what about Surah 4829, which says, Muhammad is Allah's prophet. Those who follow him are ruthless, ruthless to the unbelievers, but merciful to one another. Though through them, Allah seeks to enrage the unbelievers. Hmm, wow, that sounds like a really fun guy. Uh, what's, the, what's another one? Okay, what about Surah 929, which reads, The unbelievers are impure, and their abode is in hell. Another translation reads, humiliate the non-Muslims to such an extent that they surrender and pay tribute. Wow. What does Surah 47.4 say? Well, it says, when you meet the unbelievers, smite their necks. When you have made wide slaughter among them, tie fast the bonds, then set them free, either by grace or ransom, until the war lays down its burdens. Uh what about the uh, next one, or a different translation, when you meet the unbelievers in the battlefield, strike off their heads, and when you have laid them low, bind your captives firmly. So, sounds like a pretty kinder, gentler type of fun religion to me. I don't know about you, I mean, you know, I don't know what we're all getting all worked up about here. 
Uh, now, these Muslims will do and say anything in order to achieve Allah's agenda. The Quran in uh, uh, 354 says, Allah schemed against them, the unbelievers, and Allah is the best of schemers. So Allah is the best of liars. Well, why? Well, he's a fallen angel, most likely, what they're worshipping. Why wouldn't he want to be one of the best of liars? The whole cult is based on a total lie. And it, I mean, does it ever say that about God in the Bible? He, he's the best of liars or Jesus? No. There, there was no sin or guile found in found in them ever. So, but no, Allah is, is the best of liars and schemers. You know, I mean, that's a pretty good thing to have on your resume. I don't know about you. You know, so uh, the Arabic word used here for scheme or plot is makara, which literally means deceit. If Allah is deceitful toward unbelievers then there is little basis for denying that Muslims are allowed to do the same. I mean, that's their God. Why wouldn't they want to emulate and follow their God? If he's deceitful to unbelievers, why wouldn't we follow him? Sure we would. Sure they would. Uh, Also see the verses of 8.30 and 10.21. There's links there to them. From another uh, Muslim holy writing, the Hadith we read in Bukhara, 52269, it says, quote, The Prophet said, War is deceit. The Muslims have proclaimed jihad, or holy war, against the Jews and America. Uh, a major part of this war is deceit. They are liars and admit to this in their own writings and in their own holy books. So, this garbage about this guy over there in this, this unity said, Oh, we worship the same God and, and, and all of this other <laughs> a bunch of lies and garbage. You know, but the the these people just go along with it, and I to me I can't believe the Jews would go along with this at all. I mean, they have such history dealing with these people, and yet you know they're going to yoke up. It, it don't make any sense. But uh, last article here, which also reaffirms uh, this wonderful religion of peace. Uh, Grapevine, Texas real estate agent Aziz Yazdenpana was suffering the worst kind of humiliation possible for a Muslim man. His house was in foreclosure, his wife had left him, and he was uh, raising his family in Western, modern fashion. Oh, and she, meaning his wife, was raising his family in Western, modern fashion, even allowing their children to celebrate Christmas and to date non-Muslims. In proper Islamic tradition, Yaz. Yazpan Panah did what any obedient Muslim man would do. He performed the honor killings and murdered his entire family to preserve the family's Muslim faith and, quote, good name. Uh, and there's a link here. Tell Congress to stop Shahara Law in America. Support HR 973. There's a link you can click on. On Christmas morning, Yazdan Panah, dressed in a Santa suit, so he's dressed up like Satan, I mean Santa, invaded his estranged family's apartment, shot all the family members dead, leaving their broken bodies strewn among festive Christmas wrapping paper before shooting himself as well. You read about this? This is going on more and more and more. I'm seeing more and more of these honor, mercy, whatever killings. Just more fruit of the Muslim faith. So this is Shahara Law in action. Tragically, the warning signs were all there. But in this day of political correctness, none dared to utter the word Shahara. Oh no, we, we can't speak against Islam. I mean, they're a religion of peace. I mean, isn't it so evident? Just look around, see all the wonderful fruit. I got a, whole, I got a, like a 50-page PDF on this, documenting how evil this death cult is. 
But, you know, no, 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 we, we, we must promote it. We can't say speak a word against it. Friends of the daughter, murdered by Aziz, say that Nora, uh, the daughter, was terrified of her father. She frequently came to school sobbing and describing how her father had installed video cameras throughout the house to monitor his family's activities. And that Aziz had even nailed his daughter's bedroom window closed to prevent possible escapes. Nona was reported to... Re- reportedly relieved when her mother left Aziz and spirited Nona and her younger brother, Ali, to an apartment. Nona was reportedly exciting about, quoting, starting their new life. But that all ended Christmas morning when Aziz reclaimed his family's honor in, to- in time-honored Islamic fashion, slaughtering them all in cold blood. Yeah, I'm just pointing out the obvious, basically. That's pretty much what we just try to do on a weekly basis, just point out the obvious. Point out the things that aren't being reported. And um, that's all we have for today. And we'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, this time you've given us. Lord God, for all your goodness and your mercy that you've bestowed upon us. I pray, Lord God, that if there's anyone listening to this teaching and they're not saved, that, Lord God, you would save their soul in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would um, will guide them to to my teaching, Lord God, at ContendingForTruth.com, the Salvation tab, or whatever manner you see fit, Lord, to bring them to the Lord. I pray whatever it takes to um, for them to get saved, Lord God, that you would do. I pray you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And, Lord God, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. That you bless uh, the body of Christ, Lord God, and my listeners, and that your angels would encamp around about them, God, Lord God, and that the blood of Jesus Christ be over them. That you would preposition us ahead of time, Lord God, uh, for whatever is coming. That you would prepare us, body, soul, and spirit, for whatever is coming. That you would use us mightily for your glory. And for the sake of the souls that need to be saved, that you would use us in the body of Christ, Lord, for um, that many would be saved as a result of your efforts through us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.